da 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 You sound insane. Do you realize that? Oh, yeah. The whole world got crazy. Seriously? It's showtime. Brian Gill, what's the movie of the week this week? This week we're talking about Straight Outta Compton. And by we, I mean Richard again. To let the listener in, I, my wife and I are trying to sell our house, and my job just picked up significantly, and we don't have any babysitting for the next like two or three weeks until school starts for my kiddo. So it's just, I was trying. I tried so many times to get to the theater, and it just didn't. It just didn't happen. So I apologized. And to you're the listener. a you're a boat thugs guy through and through right? yeah so i mean a lot of it was just a statement yeah let me check my arm yep bone thugs t- <laughs> tattoo is still there so uh yeah i'll see you guys at the crossroads and uh, i won't be able to, f- to finish out this episode i apologize That's okay. i will get to the movie eventually but uh we needed to get the episode recorded in a timely fashion and i'm not going to get to see it till later this week so it just Sorry. says it just says bone across your back in old English font. <laughs> yes. just, yeah, such yeah. a loyal fan. Right, thugs across my chest though. You know. Well, actually, Brian, this is a rare opportunity that if you haven't seen the movie, you can actually stay on for the review because this is a biopic, right? And not a lot of this uh, is breaking news. Not uh, not a lot of plot spoilers to go hey, over. Spoiler with this alert: Suge Knight, not a great guy. <laughs> That's debatable, but I'm glad I know your opinion on that, Richard. Do you um, guys remember that Carson Daly show that was yeah. on after it's still Conan? On. It's still on. Yeah. Yeah. It, Isn't that its weird? Original that show's form, still on? It's so weird. <laughs> well, it's called Last Call. It cost NBC yes, seriously call. like $10,000 a year to produce. Yeah. So that's yes. why it's still it's on. They used to have a studio for it because it yeah. used to be like with an audience and stuff, but now they just film it all on video and yeah. out at like that a coffee shop. For some reason, I remember watching the first episode of that show, Same. and it was like long-form interview, which was yeah. really interesting, even if it was Carson Daly, who's probably probably a Piven, right? I, I mean, I just assume. I don't know. I don't okay. know. Okay. Don't yeah. Know. Jury's out on that one. Okay. That, sure. That, I have no feeling on him <laughs> whatsoever. <laughs> All right. We'll just start another list. Start keeping track of that on the website. Anyway, just to finish the thought, Suge Knight was the first guest, and it was so interesting that they held him over for a second night. And I just, and I remember just being totally enthralled by this guy just sitting here giving really honest answers to everything. And of course, all those honest answers were, "Yeah, I killed that guy," but still, it was it was pretty interesting. I can't wait for this discussion. Um, You're pretty stoked about it. I love biopics and I love music specifically. So I hate biopics and I really hate music. So it's <laughs> can't wait. Just, terrible combination I'm glad you didn't see it then because you'll really yeah. hate this movie then i'm kidding i love music but i don't like biopics i'll be honest that's a that's one of my oh wow one of my least favorite forms of of film i'm just tired of them i just don't feel like there's anything i never get excited about a biopic anymore i guess i just feel like if you've seen one you've seen them all maybe this is the exception well i'm excited nonetheless but you know what we haven't done in a long time fellas What's that? We haven't talked movie news. Movie news. Yes! Rumors and rumbling. That's awesome! Let the filibustering begin! Yeah. Oh, yeah. We should start off this episode and, and talk at length about some crazy movie news, some stuff that has broken, some stuff that has happened over the past week. I've, I've seen some brief stuff about Disney 23, Disney Con, whatever they call it now. D23. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, just some headlines, so... What what have you heard, Brian? What what's what's happened over the weekend? 
Yeah, so if you don't know what that is, D23 is is kind of like the the newsy part of uh, Comic-Con, but just for Disney releases. They have presentations of the films that are in their upcoming slate and they also do a lot of park news and stuff like that. So it's just it's a it's a chance for Disney to pump up their own stuff, which obviously they need it. I mean, it's been a pretty pretty rough few years <laughs> yeah. for for those guys. Uh but it's a it's a it's a fan expo and they pull out all the stops and uh this year they really went all out um even more so i think than than years past and uh, announced a lot of stuff they had a lot of first looks at some new movies that they've got coming um and a lot of that pertained to star wars which is what we like the best here at least the two or three two of the three of us and uh so there was quite a bit of star wars news headed our way this weekend i like mac and me best I'm right, and that's fair, that you know, yeah. to each his own. The only stuff I saw just in general was just a lot of sequels and a lot of live-action remakes or sequels sure. of movies we've seen, like a Peach Dragon remake, another yeah. Alice in Wonderland, some more Cars, some more Finding Nemo, some more Toy Story, and, uh, and you know, a lot of other live-action, like Beauty and the Beast and, and stuff like that that is coming down the pipeline. So not a lot of original... Exciting yeah. stuff to, to discuss on the Disney front. Uh, I did see Moana, the new animated movie, is getting great reviews, and they've you know really been hyping that up. It's an original property, so I'm excited to see what they do with that. And uh, the Day of the Dead movie that Pixar is working on called Coco, the official title has been released, Coco. And, yeah. Uh, excited for what that could be, because Day of the totally. Dead. Uh, they, what was the movie last year that, that Del Toro did? Um, uh, the book of life book of life right exactly yeah. uh, I mean I'm really I love the imagery and the tradition of that in uh, Mexican culture and all that so I'm excited to see what Pixar can do with that subject matter sure but um, not a lot of thoughts not a lot of big breaking news except for Star yeah. Wars type stuff I guess right. not and not a lot of original concepts headed our way let's let's be honest most of what Disney has in the ne- in the next I don't know four or five years is uh is sequels and prequels and remakes and things like that. And, you know, that's I, it's easy to get upset about that. But let's not forget that Tomorrowland was a, a, a new original film and it tanked horribly. So that's that's why you're getting sequels and prequels and remakes and all that kind of stuff. That's that's the way the business works. They got to make money. So but there was quite a bit of Star Wars stuff. Uh, let's start with the poster. I know you saw it, Kent. Richard, yeah. did you get a chance to check out the, the Drew Struzan poster? For episode, uh, uh, yeah, I saw seven. it on our on our Twitter. Which, by the way, you can um, you can you can follow us at mam underscore podcast on Twitter. We don't nearly pump that up enough on the show. Absolutely. We do have a Twitter account though, and we we're tweeting awesome and informative movie tidbits throughout right. the throughout the week. So follow us there. But yeah, uh, I tweeted it out on there. Really exciting. Really cool. Too. Looks great. I, was, I yep. was waiting for an official poster. All we had seen was basically the logo, the Star Wars mm-hmm. logo with the word "The Force Awakens" on it, and that's what I'd seen in the theater and, and online. And they hadn't released any. It's four months away from the release, and we hadn't even seen a poster for this thing. Yeah, and so I was starting to get kind of worried. Like, are they even going to do it? Like, is that even necessary anymore? And then they revealed the Struzan poster, which looks awesome, and it reveals that uh, Daisy Ridley and John Boyega are at least going to have very big roles. And yeah. uh, and Han Solo will be a central character as well. I'm guessing. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Uh, that's that's what's on there. But man, that guy is awesome. And you know, side recommend. There's a documentary called The Man Behind the Poster, which interviews him and talks about his work over the few years, over the you know few decades. 
yeah. that he's um, that he's been active, and he, you know, it just talks about how movie posters are, you know, more Photoshop now and less illustration, and how that's sort of a lost art uh, when it comes to film. So, really yeah. interesting documentary, but awesome that he came back and did. You know, he did all the other Star Wars movies. Uh, he did the prequels too. The prequel posters were actually awesome, despite what the yeah, movies were. Great. Yeah, uh, but uh, cool to see that they brought him back for this, and the poster looks awesome. And I'm gonna and have to buy one. It's a D twenty three specific poster, right? It's they have this isn't the official primary poster, from what I hear. Yeah, apparently it's exclusive. I like I said, I don't even know if they're gonna release a official primary yeah. poster at this. This point. doesn't really need any marketing. It's <laughs> funny, like they could save yeah. so much money. <laughs> it's like that old that old David Cross bit about he used to do a stand up bit that was like, "Hey, McDonald's, just gonna let you know." You don't have to advertise as much as you do. We get it. Like you're the people that sell hamburgers. It's not like if I wake up and don't see a McDonald's commercial, I'm going to be like, <laughs> "Did McDonald's go out of business?" It's kind of how the same. It's the same here with this uh, with yeah. Star Wars. It can go ahead and save their marketing budget. Go. We'll we'll uh, we'll understand. We'll still be there opening day. Everyone. <laughs> I read an actually interesting article in the Wall Street Journal. I think it was maybe the New York Times or the the past week uh, talking about the Star Wars release and. Basically playing skeptic on the fact that it's going to be the biggest movie of all time. And uh, their reasoning was before there was never really any other competition. Um, but now there's so much in January and December, like weeks where there's three and four movies a week that are like Oscar worthy and like, you know, big tentpole movies that Star Wars has to compete with. And they're, you know, like Tarantino and The Revenant and others are, are coming out. In the weeks uh, following Star Wars, maybe not the week of, but you know they'll go limited release and then wide release in, in January. And and their reasoning was there's just too much other stuff for adults to get out and see. On a nor- in a normal year, Star Wars fans will see it three and four times. You know their reasoning is maybe they'll see it one or two this time around, just because there's so much other stuff that they're going to be interested in. And it was an interesting article. I I suggest reading that, but yeah. I still am under the impression it's going to be the yeah. biggest thing of all time. It's going to make like take five hundred million yeah. Uh, yeah. opening weekend or something crazy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So if somebody wants to offer odds on that, I will take it. Yes. It's it's going to be the biggest movie of all time. I I feel. I feel it's really easy to say that, but that, yeah. dude, Avatar made two point seven billion dollars. I know, like that is insane. I understand the argument against it, but if somebody wanted to present odds on that, I, I feel pretty confident in taking that, that it's going to be the biggest movie of all time. Yeah. Exciting, though, the poster itself, the little bit yeah. that we got was cool. It was it was awesome. Made me more, more excited than I already was. I'm waiting for the next the next trailer. We're supposed to get another trailer uh, in the next two months or I think, so. Yeah, so. I think someone's coming in September, so. Yeah. We'll see. I again, I'll reiterate. I would like to not see another trailer, but I know I won't be able to keep myself from watching it once it gets here. I don't need any more. Richard's totally right. Like I don't need any advertisement. I don't need any posters or marketing or anything. I, I just, I just want to. I want to go in with as little knowledge as possible. But it's going to be impossible for me to uh, avoid all the stuff. Yeah. Well, there's as many movies we, as we see. We're going to see the trailer anyway, eventually. Oh, yeah. Totally. So it's nearly no avoiding it uh, Yeah, from our perspective. So the big bit of news has to do with Star Wars Episode Nine, Right. And uh, a long-awaited, rumored director has been revealed. And I was under the impression, I really thought it would be J.J. Abrams. Because they're starting out this new trilogy with him, I figured they would end it with him. You know, wrap yeah. wrap a nice little bow around the entire thing. Not the case. And uh, Brian, you want to reveal who they have chosen? 
Yeah, we talked about it a little bit uh, a couple weeks ago. Just it was a rumor at that point. Now it's it's official for episode nine. Our director is going to be one Colin Trevorrow of Jurassic World fame. I know you're not excited about this, Kent. I, oh, guys, <laughs> I, I, a, a listener reached out on Twitter, uh, Mason, I believe it was, and uh, and broke the news to me. Actually, I didn't know. I didn't know about it. I just was checking our Twitter, saw a notification. So, oh, what's this? And then he sent us the link, and I'm just like, I, I think I. I think I tweeted him back and said, just, but why? Because that's all I could, I was like, why? why? And he, he re- replied and said, because $1 billion. And yeah. I replied and said, my little sister could have directed Jurassic World with Chris Pratt and it would have made a billion dollars, which I'm pretty sure le- had less to do with how good of a movie it was and more the fact that, oh, it's Jurassic Park. Oh, and, it's but, Chris and Pratt. And your sister, though, to be fair, is very difficult to work with. <laughs> <laughs> Even more difficult than Colin Trevorrow, believe it yeah. or not. So, and, just putting that out there. And I just, I still, this, the jury is still yet to be determined on whether he's a good director. I just haven't yeah. seen it. I, there's nothing about Jurassic World that showed any kind of, in my opinion, and listen to our Jurassic World review for my full thoughts on this, but it was just so one-dimensional, in my opinion. And... um the, the other people they've gotten, you know, J.J. Abrams and, and Gareth Edwards and Ryan Johnson, they have such a distinct way of going about things and such a unique vision about their movies. And I just don't see that yet with Colin Trevorrow. I, and, you know, I understand he's done well in independent cinema with Safety Not Guaranteed, and yeah. he's made the biggest movie of the year so far, and, and that's great. But we're giving him the keys to Star Wars, and not only Star Wars, but the the final chapter of this entire new trilogy i just i mean i just i don't know what to think about it honestly and and maybe he he proves me wrong between now and then maybe he comes out with two or three other small films that uh blow my mind but i just think they're this is the weakest this is the least excited i am for a star wars movie and it just so happens to be one of the tentpole films and not you know i can understand them giving him a standalone or an anthology movie like hey we're going to bring back you and McGregor and you're going to do a movie about Obi-Wan Kenobi, you know, and mm. I, I would be fine with that. Um, but I, I just don't know if I trust him to wrap, like I said, to wrap a nice pretty bow on this entire thing, uh, considering we're getting two fantastic directors for seven and eight and we're getting a great one. We know of for rogue one. So, yeah. uh, so that's my, my opinion. Um, and I understand, uh, why they would go with him because I'm sure he's a Star Wars fan. I'm sure he really hyped on it and you know he'll he has uh he's said he's gonna give his full effort and blah 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 blah. You know, told him what they wanted to hear type of thing, but um I just don't see it uh right now. Brian, what do you what do you think? Look, I would prefer that he was if they were gonna make Colin Trevorrow a part of this series, I, I I too would prefer it to be one of the anthology films, not one of the main trilogies. But I think a couple of things. One, I think he is a good director. I think Safety Not Guaranteed is a really, really good movie, and it's and it is good. It is good because of the directing. Uh, I think he does an excellent job uh, with that film. That was one of my top ten films of whatever year that was, two thousand eleven or twelve or whatever that was, uh, two thousand twelve. I really like that film a lot, and, and I think it showed that he can be a very good director. Jurassic World did not, but I also think. I think it might have been 
it might have been pretty easy to sh- you're, you're right anybody could have directed that and it would have made a ton of money but i also think anybody could have just sh- i think people could just show up on the set and be like eh, it doesn't feel if it doesn't feel like your own um if it doesn't feel like you have to try which i i think that was fairly evident from most people in jurassic world that we didn't really have to try that hard and this was going to make a ton of money i, I don't know it I think that kills some of the work ethic, but, but the other side of that is the, I trust, I trust the brain trust of what, of, of who's in charge of this thing. And, and it's not going to be Colin Trevorrow. And that means that if he gets on the set or even before he gets on the set, if he's terrible, they'll trank him and they'll, they'll get rid of him and replace him with somebody better. And so that helps some, but I also think there's a lot to be said for, uh, these, I think these people know how to make, great movies or great blockbuster movies uh colin trevorrow notwithstanding and so i think once you get in a once he gets in a room with a group of people who absolutely know what they are going for and the direction they want to take it in and all of that stuff i think it becomes easier to do a good job uh or, or at least let me say this it at least makes it to where i'm not i'm not nervous about it now once we start hearing bad things coming out of the set then that obviously changes stuff but um, I think there's going to be such an infrastructure for success in this thing by the time it gets to 2019. Which will make it even it more. The process. It will make it even more of a letdown, though, won't it? Because J.J. Uh, Abrams and Gareth Edwards and Ryan Johnson are going to blow our minds, right? And, and but it, if he does a decent job, then this will be a, this will be an excellent movie. You know what I mean? Like I think by that point, I would not want Colin Trevorrow to be in J.J. Abrams' position. Right, like I don't, I don't want him to yeah. be the one who starts off the new Star Wars franchise. But if he is the third or fourth in the line, and there's such a strong infrastructure there by the time he gets to it, that I, I don't know, it just doesn't make me nervous. But part of that may just be that I think he's a very talented director, and I think is the one movie that he's done outside of Jurassic World is really good. And and let's be honest, he could have. I don't want to keep using Trank, but I, I guess I'm going to. He could have tranked Jurassic World and instead he turned it into what's going to end up being one of the two or three biggest movies of all time. And so I, I don't know. Like I'm not I, I'm not saying that he would have been my first choice by any means, but I'm not nearly as nervous as you seem to be and as I've seen on on yeah. the Twitter. My um, my whole mentality, my rebuttal to that would be I don't think one movie determines whether you're a great director. I think it and needs, I, would, I think you need a body sure. of work to like yeah like in ninety five would be like oh Kevin Smith is a great director you know right and, uh, <laughs> no and, that's that's a great that's a great point and now but, we think greatest <laughs> yeah 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 uh, that's a great point but to to play devil's advocate on that J uh, J Abrams doesn't have a lot of great movies to his credit and Ryan well, Johnson doesn't have a lot of great movies to his credit and Gareth Edwards has one movie to his credit so. Like, I think they all fall in line, and he doesn't – you're right. He's directed two movies. One is a really solid indie movie. One was the biggest movie of all time or second biggest or whatever to this point. So I, to me, that doesn't – I don't know. Like, I'm just not – I'm not worried about that. I think – and but part of it may just be that if – because we know what happened with Trank, if they feel like he's not going to pull it off, they will replace him. And I think that – I'm with Brian on that. Like, they're not afraid to just cut bait if he's terrible. Yeah. 
for me, yeah, the only I, thing I don't, that I'm I don't think, about yeah, okay, is if if he if we hadn't get gotten a director named for this already, then there was still a chance that Spielberg does a Star Wars movie at some point, and that I, I don't think that's going to happen because I don't think he's going to step on Lucas's toes. But th- that fantasy was still out there until until they you know they announced this one. I think. Yeah, I think uh, I think Abrams had enough. In my to prove to me that that he could handle something like Star Wars or a revive like just just with what he yeah. did with Star Trek like not even counting sure. Mission Impossible or or Alias or any of the production work he's done I think I think Kathleen Kennedy and and uh, Lucasfilm people see JJ more as a producer yeah. that knows no, how to direct so rather than a director yeah. do, do that's that make sense true. yeah absolutely and so true. I trust man I, just, I think that's why he was the obvious choice for the first movie because. As a producer, that he'll still be on these other movies, he can set the tone and set the aesthetic with this first film that everyone else can at least use as kind of a cheat sheet, and uh, at least to the you know how we penetrate this universe in 2015. So, I think you know that that will be where his greatest value is, and I think that will shine through more than just the first film. Yeah, Richard, what do you think about it? I'm not a huge like Jurassic World fan, as we we talked about on the on the podcast. Um, but I, I've seen safety not guaranteed and, and, and found it pretty charming. I, I, I'm kind of with Brian. Kent in a vacuum, I think you're right. I think he does lack experience or maybe uh, you're, Jurassic World is a fantastically shallow film and, and you would hope that this wouldn't be. But it's, it's the Sam Henke, just trust the process. I trust the infrastructure on this. And I, I think twofold, A, if you're not that talented, there's enough talented producers and writers and everything around you to make it a good movie. And B, if you're really bad, they're just going to fire you. Yeah. So I'm not, you know, it's it's like if, you know, the San Antonio Spurs hired me to be their coach next year, <laughs> most people would be like, eh, I don't know who this Richard Barton guy is, but I mean, it is the Spurs. I feel like they kind of know what they're doing. It's like, but he did of- coach in uh, an AAU basketball team before. That was pretty good. They won the championship. Yeah, like exactly. that's what basically what we're saying. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He won a church league title as a player. <laughs> yeah, so, exactly. Like, yeah. So I mean, it's it's just kind of, for life. That's right. Represent. <laughs> but uh, so that's kind of how I feel about this. Like that Disney infrastructure is is it's it's a corporation of making movies. So. Right. I don't think, and this is no insult to anyone that's doing it, who are very talented. I'm excited to see their work. I think a director of these films is probably pretty overvalued because I think it's such a, it's made by so many hands in the pot. I hope so. I hope we're right. I, I this is this is just the least excited I've ever been for a Star Wars movie, and that includes sure. the prequels. It includes <laughs> Abrams and and everything that's come out up to this point. I just, I'm nervous, and I, I hope I'm proven wrong. I mean, I, please, please, Colin, please, if you're listening, don't, don't no. mess up, don't yeah. mess this up. Uh, I, I trust, I, like I said, I trust Kathleen Kennedy and Lucasfilm and Bob Iger more than, more than I do him at this point. But oh, absolutely, um, yeah. but we'll see. Uh, they did, they, they actually did uh, release the runtime for the Force Awakens. Oh, did. Is, I didn't see this. Yeah, which is two hours and seven minutes. So, well, okay. that's disappointing. Good. I was hoping for six hours, but okay. <laughs> yeah. No, it's actually kind of tame compared to what, some of the big movies we've seen in the past few years, Name, namely Transformers, which is almost three hours every time we. <laughs> God. Every time I mean, we do that. Worth it, though. Worth it. <laughs> 
And it's just uh, a breeze, though. It doesn't feel at all like three. Feel like <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. It's like when you're spending time with your kids and they grow up really fast. Yeah. Oh, man. Just the Captain fact... The f- plays the whole time. Mm. <laughs> the fact that there is a cut of The Force Awakens out there somewhere on some hard drive just irks me. I'm just going to find a way to hack in and find it. JJ, you better watch your back because... Man, if there are hackers in the world, that movie will be out before, <laughs> you know, because every nerd on Earth is trying, wants to see yeah. that movie. What, what do you think, which do you think is easier to hack into, uh, like the NSA or or J.J. Uh, Abrams' hard drive? Or right Bad now? Robot Productions, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Man, I don't know, but you know that they've got that thing under lock and key, like literally a, like a hard drive in a safe. That's not even plugged into a computer that has the the cut or the edits, yeah. every edit on it or something. Yeah, they better keep Ethan Hunt out of there. Yes. Um, so, yeah, not very long. Not Kind of surprised. I thought it would be at least two hours 20. And, um, yeah. and the credits will be really long. Exciting, yeah, nonetheless. Any other news coming out of Disney? I mean, nothing great. I mean, we got Pirates, Pirates 5, Indians. bro. You guys excited? Does nope. anyone care about nope. that? Nope, and nope. Okay. Yeah. The Bloom Good. is back. Yeah. By the way, somebody at our at um at our training camp uh, out here in, in Oxnard went to Malibu one day, and they said they saw Orlando Bloom in uh, in Malibu. And then we had this big debate whether or- Orlando Bloom was a good actor, and <laughs> and he's not, guys. He's <laughs> Elizabeth. And I, I was like, name one movie in ten years that Orlando Bloom has had a a big role in, or B has been a good movie, and they couldn't do it. <laughs> It was pretty funny, but um, not like that's the big news. Orlando Bloom returns. Like, okay, yeah. like is he right. on the A list now? I, I wasn't aware, but um, yeah, God, that first this, movie st- is, is still st- pretty stinking good. The it's rest really of good. them, the yeah, first, I know you're a huge. The other fan, four are are, yeah. are very all, forgettable. Are terrible, but that first yeah. one I maintain is really good. Yeah, I agree. For what it is, is yeah, good. no, it's it's a fine adventure film. Yeah. I saw that they released, like, some thread was like, official logo released for Pirates 5. I click on it, and it's literally just the old just logo, the and underneath thing. it, it yes. says, Dead Men Tell No Tales. So I was like, oh my gosh, I cannot contain my excitement right now. Um, I heard in this one that Johnny Depp has, like, black eyeliner on. No white wow. face paint? Total, total shocker. Yeah. One other bit that I saw we need to discuss from movie news rumors is that Spielberg's trying to get Gene Wilder out of retirement for Ready Player One. Yeah, we all freaked out about this. We were texting about it and then I sent it to everybody I know who has read Ready Player One and we all all had a mass freak out. There's a character to be specific who he could be or like I I saw like every comment I saw about Mm -hmm. it was like oh, he would be perfect for a X character. Yeah. I'm gonna have to find which character it was, Brian, because you probably know uh, yeah. the character I'm I'm referring to. Hold on, Halliday. Yeah, yeah. Good if you Roy, don't know Roy Halliday, right? Right, Roy Halliday. Yeah, James Halliday. Uh, it says right. <laughs> it's about his run with the Blue Jays and then how he won a World Series with the, the Phillies. I thought it was about awesome. the uh, noted realtor Ebby Halliday, but uh, <laughs> guess, guess greatest what? biopic ever. <laughs> Oh, it's man, both. That's some, that's it's <laughs> kind of like it's like Cloud Atlas, but right. it's just a bunch of different yeah. holidays. Yeah, Gene Wilder plays all of the characters. It's really interesting. Uh, man, that's a that's an inside baseball joke right there. Um, 
Yes. Uh, if you haven't read Ready Player One, the the gist of it is, and you should, by the way, it's a it's it really might be my favorite book of the last decade or so. I I, I quite like it a lot. Um, the gist of it is there's a the creator of essentially the internet for that time period. Uh, he dies and he leaves behind a series of clues to find his fortune. And they're, the clues are done in video form and things like that. So it's it's a small role that Wilder would play, but he is it is so uh, Willy Wonka that it it ma- it's almost makes too much sense for Gene Wilder to play that part. Like that's a per- that's a perfect casting job if they were able if Spielberg's able to pull it off. And if anybody is able to do it, I would I would think it's Spielberg. So he's somebody come out of retirement. Yeah, it'd be great. That would be awesome. Gene Wilder yeah. is is a treasure. Yeah, he's not an AP yet, which is an oversight on our Not yet. Now. He, hasn't, my list. he hasn't stayed relevant yeah. long enough. He needs, yeah. to, he needs to stay out there and show a sense of humor about himself. And yeah, how maybe. dare he retire? <laughs> how dare he? Not get on yeah. our arbitrary list. Right. Hey, ma'am, fam, question for you. Do you own a small business or are you a boss? Are you looking to hire awesome people, but you just can't find somebody to fill that role? Well, let me tell you about ZipRecruiter.com. With ZipRecruiter, you can post your job to 100-plus job sites all with one click. In fact, over 80% of jobs posted on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate in just 24 hours. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. That's why ZipRecruiter is different. Unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them. Right now, you can post your jobs for free on ZipRecruiter by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. One more time, try it for free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. Thanks to ZipRecruiter for supporting this episode of the Mad About Movies podcast. Yeah, that matters a lot. We take it pretty seriously. So so that's all I think we have for this week for movie news. Other stuff can wait for other weeks. Sure. And uh, so that was good. A lot of exciting Star Wars Disney stuff. And, uh, of course, Spielberg stuff is always good to talk about. Always. So let's move on and let's talk straight out of Compton. I'm expressing with my full capabilities And now I'm living in correctional facilities Cause some don't agree with how I do this I get straight and meditate like a Buddhist So here we are, Richard, you and I You and me, like the good old days Last men standing, yes We sat alone at our own lunch table Kent Richard's show is, is back Yeah You might be more apt to talk about this than me Because you okay. have renewed my love for hip-hop music You alone Really? I've always liked hip-hop, but you've pointed out to me numerous times um, why I should be listening to X artist, why the X song is good, mainly Kanye. Yeah, the but, only artist that matters, and not just hip-hop. Right. Of any type. He's the only he, artist he, he is Warhol in the flesh. <laughs> Shakespeare. But... I'm Warhol. Did you ever grow up an NWA, Dr. Dre, Ice Cube fan? And just tell me your yeah, general so, thoughts yeah. about NWA in general. Okay, so I am, uh, as at the time of this recording, 28 years old. Uh, so I'm a little young uh, on uh, on NWA. I like Dr. Dre's The Chronic uh, 2001 came yeah. out when I was like in seventh grade. So that was like the first... Um, 
like Dr. Drake's because you know his those albums were so and still to this day are are so sparse, right? He has like the Chronic in '96, uh, you know the NWA NWA stuff before that, the Chronic in '96, and then 2001 in 2001, I think, and then uh, Compton, and then Compton, which just came out last week. So like, so that was the first album that. Uh, and it was right when I started listening to a lot of hip hop and stuff, you know, that middle school rebellious time. So I started going back like through Napster and finding all these NWA recordings. And um, so my experience with them is is it was important in my life, but I'm not going to pretend like I was cool and I was there at the time because I was four or three when this was happening. So it was later on that I got into them um, and that whole kind of West Coast sound of of gangster rap, which was uh, really just now kind of starting. I mean, it's still it's still big when you listen to someone like Kendrick Lamar or something like that. Sound that kind of uh, G funk West Coast sound is is still uh, like going on like thirty years of being popular. Yeah, uh, within hip hop, so it's so in NWA is obviously one of the kind of founding fathers of not only that genre of, of hip hop, but most genres of hip hop. So it's, it's a movie I was interested in. I, I didn't know um, what to expect from it. it. You know, it can go like Brian said with these biopics, a, it's hard to do them originally. And two, it's just, you, you have a, a lot of times. Two. A and two. And uh, <laughs> I, I was terrible at outlining. School. Um, and triple I. Um, no, but they, uh, but also you have, you have, four or five, sometimes six in this movie, kind of like agendas that you have to, you know, real life people that you have to appease their legacy, right? So you have not only Dr. Dre and Easy and Ice Cube, but, you know, like Suge Knight and, uh, you know, the Paul Giamatti's character whose name is escaping me right now. You have all these sort of actual people to uh, to appease. So I thought, oh, gosh, this is going to be such a, you know, a politically correct, weird movie when I heard they were doing it. And then I heard that they had a lot of involvement from those guys from from Dre and, and Ice Cube specifically obviously Easy no longer with us and I I heard that Ice Cube's son was playing Ice Cube and that kind of got an eyebrow up but still not really on my radar Knew, figured I would see it I, I figured it, I thought it would be remember that John Singleton movie uh, Four Brothers with Mark Wahlberg yeah and I, I figured it would be like that level of good like eh, it's on TNT on a Saturday it's about NBA I watch it. I didn't expect it to be like an actual, you know, good film. And I, I'm happy to report I actually really enjoyed this. Um, I thought it was, I mean, not like raw completely like this is what really happened. I'm sure there was some agendas that aided these storylines along a little bit, but still a pretty entertaining, authentic seeming hour. I thought the performance is really good uh, for the most part. I think, uh, and I don't have his name in front of me, pardon me, Ice Cube's son, <laughs> Uh, who I've seen doing press and stuff is a really thoughtful, interesting uh, young man, and uh, I thought he was he was he was pretty good in this. And uh, I, I I thought that the drama while trumped up was fine and and kind of kept me interested in the movie. If I ha- didn't have any interest in seeing these kind of pop culture historical figures again, so overall pretty good little movie. Uh, it's done really well. We should talk about. I think it's. G- the best marketing campaign of the year easily right easy yeah like you talk about something that doesn't need marketing like star wars this did and they killed it like i think this is a without that marketing campaign probably a 20 million dollar opening weekend and yeah. it's with that 56 
and it probably cost him three million for the entire campaign. Like it was one of the best investments ever on whoever that team was that that did it. Yeah, good thoughts. Uh, by the way, O'Shea Jackson Jr. Yes. is his name. That's right. He has uh, the same Cube. name as his father. Yep. Or Ice Cube Jr. I call him. <laughs> yeah, but I call him Crushed. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Cubed and crushed. Yeah. <laughs> Man, Richard, I freaking love this movie. Yeah. I. I this is top three of the year for me so awesome, far. Man. This is uh, Mad Max and Ex Machina are still up there for me. But man, I was just so enthralled in in this. And and like I said prior to this in the opening, I'm such a sucker for music and music biopics. But that doesn't change the fact that this is an exceptionally well made movie. Yeah, exceptionally well thought out, well planned movie, and uh, it excels on almost every. <laughs> Every level, and the direction is great, yeah. and I'll, we'll talk about that, but the script is just, it just feels so authentic to the, the people, the time. I, I, there was just so many points in the film where I was just sitting there and listening to these people talk, and I'm like, how was this ever written on a page? Because it feels so natural to the situation and to the people that are delivering the lines that... I just I just couldn't imagine two people sitting in a room and writing yeah. that stuff down. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. No, like absolutely. just the nuance and like the emotion that was that went into what they were saying saying was so authentic. And, and maybe that's F. Gary Gray just giving the actors, you know, the freedom to improvise sometimes, which I've heard he does and did. But that's just it's just such a good vis- vision and such a genuine vision by all involved. And I understand Dr. Dre was on set almost every day and and uh on Ice Cube, you know wanted his son to play him and, and Ice Cube's son didn't want to do it and you know all of that but man what a what a well thought out and well executed movie this was I was blown away like I like you man I I'm familiar with the chronic and I'm familiar with Ice Cube but NWA just kind of passed me by you know like I know Boys in the Hood and I know the hits but I didn't really follow their music uh, growing up I knew who they mm-hmm. were but you know that that was a little bit before my time I didn't start getting into hip hop till probably 99 when yeah when uh my name is came out from Eminem <laughs> which is another story like which every we'll talk about suburban white kid exactly yeah um, totally but man I was just so impressed with this and Mainly with the performances. And, yeah, that's and, what I was like. The, the, it's totally true that F. Gary or Gray, I never know how it goes. F. Gary Gray, yeah. Yeah, get, giving the freedom to those actors, but having the actors that are talented enough to pull that off is a feat as well. And Man, credit goes to this cast. It's um, not only to the cast, but to the casting. Because yeah. this is the, so well cast that I had a hard time. There were several moments in the movie where I was. I forgot that I was watching a movie and not watching like a documentary. Like, yeah. honestly, it was no, that. I agree. Like, it was like, especially uh, O'Shea Jackson Jr. And yeah, he's uh, a talent, man. Dude. Have you seen him interviewed at all? No, no. He's a really interesting guy. Like, I, uh, it's, it's, uh, you know, Mr. and Mrs. Cube did a good job with this kid. He's a really sharp, uh, like I said, thoughtful, interesting person that I think. I hope doesn't get pigeonholed as the guy that played his dad because I think he has a, a lot of potential roles in him. I don't know. I think he's a really bright, bright guy. Jason Mitchell, whose performance stood out to me, who plays yeah. Easy E. This kid was seriously like a line cook in a restaurant in Louisiana yeah. and got the role of Easy E in the NWA movie. Yeah, and just absolutely blew me away. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if either O'Shea Jackson Jr., Jason Mitchell, or 
Corey Hawkins, who plays mm-hmm. Dr. Dre, receive respective nominations for what they do. Yeah. I, I, like I, if they do, and then it's totally deserved. And those guys were absolutely phenomenal in this movie, and they had to be. You know, there was rumors that I saw after the fact that Michael B. Jordan was going to be Dr. Dre. And I, I just, wow. Wow. I just don't think that could have worked. Yeah, it, the the facelessness of the actors, the fact that they brought in zero persona, really worked with this. I like that in my, uh, my biopics. You know, unless you have someone like Jamie Foxx or something like that that's just going to kill it. I kind of, I, I like an unknown actor in a biopic. Yeah, it really works here, and. Uh, not only them, but the supporting cast, which we'll talk about more, was just phenomenal. And like I said, man, I love this movie. This was like this was big for me. Like, like, yeah, I, I was good. just so totally transfixed with with how it was told, with the actual story itself, with the music. I mean, the music, man. Mm-hmm. Like those songs. Yeah, it's just magic, you know. And and not only to see the songs, but I've always felt in every music biopic that we've seen. And which have been a lot. Um, specifically, I'll talk about Ray and talk about Walk the Line, which are probably the two biggest ones of the past. And they're the same years. movie. Almost the same movie. But what you always remember and what you always enjoy about those was getting an inside look about how these songs were written, how they came together. What was the spark of inspiration for uh, uh, for Folsom Prison Blues, or what was the inspiration for uh, yeah. Hit the Road Jack, you know, sure. for Ray Charles? And once you know that, once you see that, you never think of the, of the song the same again. Every time I hear Hit the Road Jack now, I always think of Ray Charles in that hotel room telling that girl to get out and playing on his little piano, you know, Hit the Road Jack, Don't You Come Back, and she's singing back at him, you know. And it just changed your whole perspective. But this was just, it was, I mean, I had no idea how how they how NWA came together, how their songs were written, what F the Police was about. I know it was about hating cops, but I didn't realize that there was a genuine story behind it. And I thought that setup was just awesome. Yeah. And but the thing is, you know that that this movie had Ice Cubes and, and Dr. Dre's blessing. So you know you're getting the truth in some regard on most of this. At as least they on interpret that. it, yeah. As they I interpret mean, it for a mass audience, yeah. What, we, you know, what we're going to des- decide is the NWA story going forward. Right. This goes along with, right? I mean, I don't know what, how much of this really happened, but whatever the rose-colored glasses version of that history is, is what we got in this. And that's fine. I mean... You know, you don't have to deal with people saying that's not what happened. Blah, blah, blah. You know, it's uh, a very, very refreshing. I thought pretty. I mean, I don't think they pulled too many punches. No. Of themselves. Like, I think they, you know, this was a pretty uh, authentic version of, of things that happened. Yeah, I love the setup, too. We get a little setup at the beginning of the film, setting up the each in each individual character's background. The opening scene is actually a drug deal with Easy e Yep. And I thought that was very well done with the cops storming the house and him having to run away. And it really sets the tone for the kind of lifestyle that yeah. these guys were living. And you really see that they used music and art as an escape from their reality. Mm-hmm. And and uh, it's hard to, to think like that when you hear their music and you hear a song like F the Police and you think, man, they're just, they're just saying that to say it. But to know that... Uh, the police probably actually did ruin their lives. <laughs> yeah. um, gives it a little more credibility, and I'm glad to sure. know. Like, I can actually listen to that song now and not feel weird about it. You know what I'm saying? Because <laughs> yeah. I know what they mean. 
Um, yeah. But so I love the setup of the actual thing. Um, like the whole them getting in NWA together, mm-hmm. I thought was just was really really interesting. Yeah, and, and really artfully directed that whole sequence. It was. Probably that was to me the best directed sequence of the. In the film. It had kind of an observational feel, kind of yeah. a found footage feel yep. to it, and uh, you know a, a gritty style. This director was was great. I want to talk more specifically about F. Gary Gray here in a minute, but yeah. um, you you really realize and and I've known for a while how big of a genius Dr. Dre is and yeah. was, and in how, so many variety of ways, in a yes. variety of ways, yeah, and and how this was really his brainchild and how. He actually wrote Boys in the Hood and yeah. encouraged Easy E to get in the booth to rap it. You know, mm-hmm. he's writing the lyrics down at school and then uh, gets his boy to to rap it. He wanted to produce it, but there were so many moments that I was just like, "Wow, Dr. Dre is is a genius." And I've heard Richard that there is a three and a half hour cut of this movie somewhere, which I want to see <laughs> because. There wasn't a moment of this where I was bored, where I was uninterested in what no. was happening. Yeah. And uh and I would totally be down for a NWA uncut director's cut of of Straight Out of Compton. That would be that would be really cool. What did you think of of the cast other than than who we said? Um I I like Paul Giamatti when he's used correctly. Yeah. I think he has talent. I've loved him in Sideways. I've loved him in other mm-hmm. uh random roles, not Spider-Man, like not yeah, like outrageous, like raging Paul Giamatti, but uh, I do think he has charm and and sure. uh, and and talent. John Adams, man, sure. John Adams was was a great little miniseries. I suggest uh, anyone should should check that out. But what did you think of him here as uh, as Heller, the manager? Yeah. I mean, it's hard for me. My interpretation while watching the film has changed since watching it because I've done some research. On on Heller, so it's yeah. I thought that character up against this kind of gritty, found footage docu drama style of the film was a little bit outrageous, a little over the top compared to the rest. Uh, but then when you go in and, and, and research this guy, I I, I think it was, <laughs> you know, it's it was Giamatti'd up definitely a little bit. But uh, I don't think he went as overboard as I thought he did. As I as I kind of do my research, what about you, man? When he's used right, he's used right. I think he yeah. was great in this. And there's a scene later in the film with uh, involving him in Easy E that is just, yeah. mm. and he just brings it, you know, a hundred percent brings it. And like I said, when he's used correctly, he's he's great. And I'll I want to talk more about that when we get closer to spoilers. So I'm trying to stay spoiler free uh, up till now. There was just so much style in execution with the direction and. Specifically, the scene where they're doing their first concert at Skateland, and and they go and they pull up and there's, it's right after, Boys in the Hood has dropped and the whole nation or the whole city at least is is bumping Boys in the Hood. NWA is starting to gain some notoriety as a music group, and uh, and they pull up to Skateland for their first official concert, and man, that was just like straight out of Tarantino. That the way the camera moved, the color, yeah. the the vibe, the the whole the music, it was just so cool. And this movie would be so easy to just not give two craps about, and to just put a story together and hire a bunch of people and put the music and you know say action and, and there you go. But the fact that they actually cared and to make this artistic and yeah. um, to reflect the artistic vision of the people 
that inspired the story, I really appreciated because as a movie lover, you see crap like this all the time. You, you know, like Brian said, every biopic, every biopic's almost the same at this point. It's it's yeah. like uh, there's a there's a very simple structure you should follow. You know how they got to where they are, and then their downfall, and then you know their death if they ended up dying. And it's 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 almost become a template at this point. But this didn't follow that template at all. I felt like, and and it just. It took the template and it just excelled in almost every level of the template, but mainly the cinematography and, and the direction was just awesome. The the scene specifically I wanted wanted to talk about earlier was Please. was when they are recording their debut album straight out of Compton and uh they signed their record deal with Priority Records, which I had no idea about the California Raisins thing. That was such a great line when <laughs> yeah. he said yeah, I was laughing too until I, till I started cashing the checks. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, oh, that's a good point. Where do we sign? You know? Yeah. I had no idea. Like, So much of this was new to me. So much of their story was new to me. So I guess that added to my love for, for what I saw. But um, but that was cool. But So they go, they go to record straight out of Compton, and they have a little altercation outside with the police. How much of this is, is truthful, do you think? I haven't heard. I, you know, I'm always so cynical when it comes to these things. But this one, I mean, it's so weird because you have the actual. It seemed almost too good to be true. Yeah, like, that's like, what I meant with a lot of this. Like some of it seems like, yeah, that's how it happened because that's the easiest way to tell the story. But I really don't know. Yeah, I mean, it seems almost too good to be true for them to be there recording the the album to have an altercation with the cops outside of the studio. Yeah, and to walk back in the studio and write f the police. You know, um, that was unbelievable. And if it's true, like, wow, like mm-hmm. what a crazy turn of events, like what a crazy chain of reaction that had to happen for that song to even come to fruition at all. And, you know, the rest is history, I guess. But what an awesome, just every, every scene of them in the studio creating the songs and specifically like later in the movie when they start collaborating with other artists, I was just. I was just smiling the ear to ear. I was, you know, bobbing my head and just remembering these. You don't realize how many, many, yeah. many of these artists, just like Johnny Cash and Ray Charles, like how many hits they had until sure. you go back and you're like, oh, that was his song. Oh, I love that song, you know, and same with NWA. And you just realize the impact that they had and the, the ripple effect that they created in the hip hop community. And I think that's more of what this movie stands for is just that they inspired an entire generation of, of artists. You know, they really, yep. they took hip hop from rappers delight, like hip hop hooray and Will Smith, you know, fresh prints, like novelty rap almost Yeah. to emotional, like real rap that, uh, that meant something and that had a message and that and had a certain anger behind it had an anger and it had, it spoke reality. It spoke the truth, yeah. you know, nobody I mean, yeah, was they doing compa- that. They compare them to, you know, these early hip hop groups. Everyone kind of tries to find the, the rock and roll comparison, right? You go with the Beatles. Well, they, they, they inspired a huge group of artists after them, just like the, the Beatles did. I think the more apt thing with NWA is something like something like the sex pistols or something. Where you took this thing that was fun and for a party, and you kind of spit in its face a little bit and, and made it angry. Um, and to me, that's what NWA. It's more of while the music is a lot of it's great. It's more about the aesthetic and the vibe, and the, you know those Raiders caps and like what that yeah. represented. Not not. A, I mean, the, 
the word gangsta, you know, has the bad nomenclature to it, but it, it's also a, a youth movement. You know, it was such a youthful group. And that's, you know, sometimes the best art is the stuff that 40 year olds hate. Yeah. Uh, and, and they were, they were definitely that for their time in a lot of ways. And what's crazy about it is that so much of what they did was totally conscious. Like yeah. the fact that they wore the all black and that they had matching sort of hats and everything there, they, there's a scene in the movie where I think it's MC Ren or DJ Ella doesn't want to wear the all black yeah. and, and, uh, he's, he's like, good thing I brought an extra hat or whatever. Cause like, yeah. this is what we do. We are a team. We are a group. This is what we represent. This is who we are, you know? And, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, I speak for myself when I say not all bands do that, you know, and not all bands yeah. have a create like a concise, like, here's what we're doing type of vision. And, uh, I mean, that really helped them, uh, get where they are, but it's just hard to believe like in hindsight that freaking ice cube and Dr. Dre were like in the same like group at one point, yeah. you know, just yeah. because of what they've become. And sure. man, Ice Cube has, and man, Dre is the richest rapper in history, which I want to talk more about at towards the end. But Ice Cube has made such a career for himself as That's an actor, in- as a rapper, as a just a personality, and it's unbelievable to see where he came from. You know, yeah. like the same guy that we saw in in uh, Straight Out of Compton is the guy that that was the. And 22 Jump Street, you know, like, really? That guy, <laughs> you know, uh, unbelievable. Are we there yet? You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah most notably, are we there yet? <laughs> uh, this was. These are guys where you see this world. That if you look at Ice Cube and Dr. Dre, like worth combined 1.5 bill or something, you know, and you see where they come from in this. You can't help but kind of love this country. Man, un- unreal. But the creative vision, like I said, by NWA is is crazy, and I never realized at the time, and uh, maybe you could speak more to this, but I never realized like I like Easy E, but I didn't realize he was the whole front man of this whole thing. You know, like he was the face of NWA and the face of that movement. I always thought he was more of a hype man, like Flavor Flav or something. You know, sure. Uh, what did you did you feel like that was hyped up a little bit for the movie for them to sort of play up the way things ended with with Easy E? Or no, was he think, really the the, the man? Uh, you know, I came to understand before this movie that he was, that those guys really revered him um, in a way that maybe, you know, when someone dies young, you're go- going to glorify them. So that, like I said, I'm always kind of cynical of that. Like I, I look at that like, ah, maybe he wasn't that great. He just happened to die, you know. Like the one way I always use that, if like if Charlie Sheen had just died in 1988, he'd be a genius. But instead, we always laugh at Charlie Sheen. Is anything really different? No. Yeah. But you know what I mean? Yeah. But <laughs> he just happened to like live an extra 25 years. So we're all like, yeah, that guy's kind of a weirdo. But if Charlie Sheen had just like, you know, stabbed Kelly Preston by accident like he did and then died a year later, we'd be like, God, he was so tortured. I mean, did you see Hot Shots too? Um, but so, but I think uh, the way those other artists in that group in that era talk about easy E as just sort of this, you know, the cult of personality thing and defining the outrageousness of that group. Um, I think it's important. I think it's well represented here because, you know, with, with this thing, like I said, it's, it's just as much about the, the kind of the punk aesthetic as it is about the music. And he was, I think he lived it more. He, he brought them their authentic authenticity. Not that the rest of those guys grew up in country clubs by any means, but 
something about Easy E brought that kind of wild um, party to that group that I think they really needed. That scene in Skateland where they're playing their first show is just so, so great. And there's another scene a little bit later when they get bigger that's similar. But the, what I loved about it was the fact that you see the youth reacting to this movement. They're in this small type of club and all these labels show up to they, – they've heard about NWA. They, uh, they, they want to see what it's all about. Um, it's crazy because you see the youth reacting to NWA mm-hmm. and then all these old people there that are businessmen trying to think like, can I make money off this? And then you hear all this vulgar rap, like these lyrics that you know we can't repeat on the air and people just turn their heads and walking out. And, and Paul Giamatti and, and the Priority Records guy are just, you know, I don't understand what you're doing, but, but obviously it's special. You know, you had an entire room going crazy, you know. Uh, what, I guess with a revolutionary music group, like the Beatles, for example, or Led Zeppelin, or even Kanye West, old people don't understand it, but the youth does, you know, yeah. and, and, and if, and for a label to take a risk on NWA was crazy to begin with, but, um, thank God they did. But so they get big and, and, uh, straight out of Compton is released. And then this show at Joe Lewis arena comes mm-hmm. and man, what an epic scene that was. Uh, yeah. just like they must've filled that. If they didn't fill that place with people, it really sure as heck looked like they did. They did a great job. The, I, I, not enough can be said about the, I've, thank God, uh, in, it's Universal's year, man. But they funded this, and like they didn't. You yeah. know, this could have been a really easy movie. That hey, you've got some unknown actors. Let's make this for five million. But they added the perfect amount of scale to this movie that it really works as a summer blockbuster, which is insane. <laughs> like yeah. it kind of works as in that world, which is, is which is nuts. It's really nuts. But that scene, specifically, when the cops are, come to him before the show and they say, "Hey." You can't do that song about the cops. You can't. You can't do it, or we will arrest you. Yeah. And they're like, "Screw that! That's exactly what the song means. We're not going to listen to you." Yeah. And you see that that scene, and you see the crowd's reaction when they start playing it, and you just think to yourself, or at least I did personally, is like, I totally get it now. I totally understand what they were doing. I totally understand NWA, what they meant, what they stood for, yeah. why they were big, why they were famous. And you know, it's we, right at we, the heel, or it's right around the same time as those those Rodney King, you know, the LA riots. Yeah, and it's you know, while it's not something we love to talk about as a society, you know, sometimes in art, coming back at authority a little bit is an important thing to do, and it kind of levels that playing field. And you know, with with the police brutality that we're seeing in our country right now. Very, uh, very uh, well-placed kind of, movie yeah. like, right now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It still holds up. Still holds up. It's crazy. I mean, we're talking like almost 30 years after the fact now, mm-hmm. after NWA, this music still relevant, still gives yeah. you that same feeling that it that it would have back then. Yeah, it still feels like, oh, I got to turn this down. I got to yeah. make my mom mad. Right, exactly. <laughs> it's like, you know, it's uh it's something still awesome about it in that regard. It's still special. And and like I said, man, Jerry Heller and all the people involved in bringing NWA from Compton to I mean, Canton, really. Uh Yeah. It's just like the biggest 
like, holy crap, like, how did they find these guys, you know? Yeah. Um, and it's just unbelievable that the story even happened. But, I mean, it's it's just crazy where Dr. Dre is now, where Ice Cube is now, and, and the ripple effect, like I said, that it had. But, man, supporting cast was great, but there are so many one-off little, like, one-scene performances that were awesome. Uh, Snoop Dogg, when he shows up, yeah, I was like, that guy walked in the room, I was like, okay, that's Snoop. Like, yeah. that guy's going to be Snoop. And, uh, and when him and Dr. Gray start doing nothing but a G thing yeah, and he starts freestyling it, I was like, oh my gosh, I, I like got chills almost. It was so yeah. good. It was awesome. It was so awesome. It's the best hip hop's been done in any movie I ever. Think. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. You know, I'm Maybe trying I'll, to think. Uh, get Richard die trying. Uh, no. Yeah. <laughs> I've never yeah. seen that. Eight mile is probably the only other kind of. Yeah. And there's parts of eight mile that are, are pretty good, but, uh, this is better. Man, but that scene with Ain't Nothing But A G thing was so great. And when uh, when Dre walks into the studio later in the movie and uh, Tupac's in there, yeah, I was like, wow. I was like, is that freaking Tupac? Yeah, that actor that they got I know, looks <laughs> identical to Tupac. Unbelievable casting. I was, I actually looked it up, and that guy is like a real guy, and he just looks like he's only <laughs> been in Straight Outta Compton, like no no other movies. Yeah, they, they did. The 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 team on this did such, you know, put them in charge of every movie. <laughs> seriously, the, like production design and casting team. I mean, on they this. Took, they said they seriously took years to cast this movie, like okay. to find the right people. But man, they did. They must have put out a casting call like, "We need a guy that looks like Tupac. Give him to us," you know. And they found him. But when uh, Dre's like, "Hey, I got this beat." And he starts playing California Love. I was like, oh my gosh, forgot that this song was even Dr. Dre and, and yeah. Tupac. And man, right when right when Tupac's about to go into the verse, the gunshots happen. And I'm like, no, because yeah. I wanted to hear that so bad. Um, how Everyone loves that song. That, that song, song still so, holds up so well. It does. Um, but we let's throw that in the pod. We should, that should we should make that our theme song. <laughs> I want to talk about Suge Knight. Okay. Here, uh, how did you feel like he was portrayed here, and what kind of a person do you feel like Suge Knight is? Like, I'll be honest, Richard. <laughs> yeah. I knew Easy E was no longer with us. Yeah. I didn't really follow the circumstances of his death, so there was a point in this where I thought Suge Knight was just going to kill and, and oh, they, yeah. kill him, and they make it. They really do do a good job of kind of pointing that way, like hinting that that could happen. You know, like sure. uh, like Suge threatening Easy E's like let Dre out of his contract now or uh, we're going to kill you, you know? <laughs> sure. And I really thought that, uh, that Suge had him killed and uh, you know, obviously he died of medical so, reasons, but um, yeah. So the, I, what about the thing Shug? about Suge Knight is if, if any of you have ever worked in any sort of environment, um, corporate or whatever. So there's always this thing where um, someone gets fired, right? And let's say, uh, you're firing me, Kent, because um, because of my anger problem uh, towards my employees. Okay, so you can go ahead and let me go. Go ahead, Richard. You're fired. What? Why? You you have a slight anger problem. No, I don't. I don't have an anger problem. Right? <laughs> right. So there's always that guy that that happens, and he screams and he throws a chair in his office. So Suge Knight, if you're upset with the way you're being portrayed as a violent, crazy person in a movie. Maybe don't show up on the set of that movie and run people over with your car. 
Yeah. <laughs> right. You're yeah. kind of kind of making our point for us there, bud. And that's the same way with the guy who gets who freaks out when he gets fired for his anger problem. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't pretend to like I'm not going to like say he's the worst person ever, but all evidence points to him being the worst person ever. And this yeah. this movie doesn't seem to be scared of him. Not at all. The performance, and, though, excellent. Oh, very good. Not they, not at all. And they, it's it's hard to believe that guy. He's still out there because everyone knows. Like it's it's pretty much a fact that he's killed like multiple people in his <laughs> life, like multiple multiple people. Sure. And he's still kind of roaming the streets. Money Mayweather got him out of jail. Well, that just tells you what kind of a guy Floyd Mayweather, Floyd Mayweather yeah. is, which uh, everyone knows, but. Yeah, really kind of a villainous role for him. And uh, and you you point him to him as the villain, but uh the the villain ends up being Jerry Heller the manager. Mm-hmm. And I want to talk about the scene where uh where Easy E fires Jerry Heller. What a emotional scene, what a great performance mm-hmm. by both actors and Giamatti just brings it like I said earlier and yeah. uh Sad to see it end, and and you you really get the sense that the best was was yet to come for NWA had had you know what happened with Easy E not happened, and uh, sure. and man, what a disappointing way for things to end. You know they couldn't have ended at a worse time because it really did seem like Easy E and Dr. Dre and and the Ice Cube were going to put you know their past behind them and reconvene and. Who knows? We would have maybe gotten the best hip hop album of all time, like sure. with Tupac and with Snoop all involved. Like that probably very well could have been the best hip hop album ever. Um, but man, what a sad, what a sad ending! I had no idea that Easy E died of AIDS. I knew he was dead, but in the mm-hmm. rap world, you assume something happened otherwise. You know, uh, sure, especially in that era, especially in that era with Tupac and everything. Mm-hmm. But man, man, well. very sad. Very, very sad. How did you feel like that was portrayed or handled here? Very well. I had seen, I remember when I was in high school, I like watched the behind the music on, on uh, NWA. So I was aware of, of the story specifically. For some reason, I remember this behind the music very well. You know, those, those certain like TV shows of your adolescence that just stick with you. Um, this was one of mine. And so I thought it was very well dramatized here and uh, very well acted provides the nexus necessary kind of ending to that story in a lot of ways and it, it went on you know i mean gosh dr dre's record label was called aftermath like it goes on but uh you know that that chapter that story i think ends ends with with him passing the scene and not just for that band for that i think that entire era of hip-hop and it kind of moves into the 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 puff daddy tupac notorious big early jay-z era shortly thereafter one more scene i have to mention before we wrap things up uh actually two scenes one where they're in the hotel party and the guys come looking for felicia and they Mm -hmm. pull out the guns and they chase the guy down with the guns if that really happened holy crap yeah gosh right really really crazy same kind of stuff used to happen at our high school in fort yeah yeah i mean a little little more violent but basically the same and uh I like the hints that uh, that Ice Cube is writing Friday. That was funny. Yeah. Especially the little by Felicia moment there. And that one scene yeah. was funny. And another scene where Ice Cube 
goes in the priority records office and just smashes everything. I thought that was a really powerful scene as well. I don't know if that actually happened. It wouldn't surprise me if it did, but uh, a very well, very good scene regardless of the truth. I've heard some criticism though, Richard, about some things being watered down. What have you heard that was left out yeah, of this movie? Well, that's what I'm talking to, right? You, you, when you have, you know, it's double-edged sword. So part of you wants the people that are, the story's about to be involved because you want their blessing, you want their truth, but. You know, if you wanted to get the actual story on Kent and Richard in high school, you know, we're probably going to tell a little more glowing version than it actually was. Right. And so it's it's, I think, a little bit rose colored in that they probably don't want to go into, uh, you know, exact specifics, A, because they're boring or two, <laughs> because they're uh, because they're just maybe not so pretty. So I I. I will. I think that criticism probably is somewhat valid, but it's a movie. At the end of the day, it's it's you know a commercial for for sneakers and music. You know, it's it's a movie, and so I'm fine with them pulling a few punches. You know, to make it a more pleasurable watching experience, that's fine. Yeah, man. I just I I would have loved a movie about Dr. Dre because there's so much that happens with Dr. Dre after the events of this film. For example, there were they were gonna have a scene in this movie where Dr. Dre discovers Eminem, which I would have loved to see if, yeah. if they had included that towards the end. And like mm-hmm. that would have been the ending of, you know, the next chapter of Dr. Dre is written. But mm-hmm. man, I love the the line that they end on where he walks out of Suge Knight's office. What's it called? Aftermath. And the movie yeah. ends. I was like, that is so freaking epic. That just yeah. that just like was Probably. the perfect ending. But um, man, I would have loved to have seen the, the Eminem scene and just the whole Beats by Dre and how he's become an empire now. They they do show it in the credits. They have a little montage of, of real world stuff, uh, you know, real world NWA footage and, and mm-hmm. Dre and Cube footage, which was, I thought was a, a great way to end as well. You know, post movie uh, sort of wrap everything up and show you, you know, the pool party. Here's the actual pool party kind of thing, kind of like mm-hmm. they did with Wolf of Wall Street. Uh, I really, really liked that, but um, I mean, would have loved to have seen the three and a half hour cut of this. That's all I got to say. This was this was great, very, very well done, and and blew my mind. I did not like you, Richard. I did not expect for this to be good, or for me to even care mm-hmm. about this. And I do, and I did. So, uh, man, wow, wow. Uh, let's let's hit grades. Are there any other thoughts that you have? General thoughts um, to wrap this thing up. I see what you did there. Wrap it up. Um, No, I think this is a movie that do not be afraid of not knowing anything about this particular music group. I think you would find something interesting out of this. It's not, uh, it's not specifically for fans of the group. Uh, And it's innovative story structure for a biography. Um, And so if you're interested in these type of things, in cultural history or anything in any sense, I would, I would recommend this to almost anybody. Okay. Let's hit grades. I'm going to give this a solid a, I was very impressed. This is in the top three of the year for me. Like I said, if, if the Oscars were today, this would be a best picture nominee in my opinion, really, really well done in almost every sense of the word. And, uh, man, I hope, I hope we're talking about it come December and January because, uh, 
definitely did not expect make your top 10 list that's exciting it it should make my top 10 i'll be very surprised if it doesn't but man there are so many movies i'm looking forward to still coming out like i was thinking about that leaving this movie i was like man gosh there's so much left so much left which is exciting though like if if i'm not sure this will be in the top 10 it's going to be a good year so uh what did you give it what grade i'm going with an a as well sweet Straight out of Compton, go see it. Like you said, Richard, yeah. If it's almost better if you don't know anything about, this I agree. Group because I agree. you won't have any preconceived notions about uh, what it could have and should have been. Definitely. So see real it. quick before we uh, before we move on the recommends, yeah, we didn't talk too much about uh, F. Gary Gray. Yeah, yeah. So uh, you know, this, this is somebody who has a few. P- pretty good movies and then a few really bad ones right on his uh on his list where do we where do we you know friday's great what kind of thing now the italian job is a pretty fun little movie yeah um be cool is i think the first movie i ever walked out (laughs) charlie travolta it didn't help it at all um let's see a man apart which one was that was oh that was vin diesel it's a vigilante movie i didn't see that one i don't know the negotiator with samuel and kevin spacey yeah. So this guy's had kind of an up and down, but I thought this was really well done. Yeah, I think it's more about like, does he care? And if he yeah. does, he's gonna like. He obviously cared about Friday. Yeah. He obviously cared about the Italian job. Uh, a lot of good music videos. He did the uh, "It Was a Good Day" video for Ice Cube, yep. which was huge. Miss, a lot of Outcast Jackson. Stuff. Yeah, the Outcast videos are always awesome. Uh, I'd like to get an Outcast movie to be honest with you. Oh, man. it would seem super derivative because of this, and, and even though they're they're. Uh, origins are completely different. Like uh, Outcast met at a performance arts high school in Atlanta, but still, I would I would be very interested in an Outcast movie. Yeah, man, I, he's a good director. Like, he is. He, he is a good director. And, I'd like. Uh, to, I hope this making a lot of money gets him some better scripts because he's when he's in, uh, he's pretty awesome. Definitely. Law-abiding citizen was his last film with Gerard Butler and Jamie Foxx. Remember that one? I do remember that. Believe it or not, this movie written by Andrea Burloff, who wrote uh, World Trade Center. Remember that movie? Oh, wow. Uh, the Oliver Stone movie? Yeah. And uh, and also written by Alan Winkus, who uh, not really any big credits to his name other than this. So... <laughs> Very, like I said, like un- unreal that this was even a screenplay, you know, yeah. like like they didn't just give him a situation and curb your enthusiasm, the whole thing and just <laughs> say what you will. I mean, what if like uh, Larry Charles had just directed this <laughs> and it was just all and, and it's just uh, uh, J.B. Smoove shows up as Snoop yeah. Dogg. Like, <laughs> yeah, Larry plays the Paul Giamatti part, has plays the Heller part. <laughs> <laughs> the anti-Semitic uh, comments would have been a little more offensive yeah, at that point, but that's true. Would have been funny. So yeah, gets an A for me and uh, highly recommended. Hey, what's up, ma'am, fam? Kent here. And yes, if you're hearing from me, you know it's time to talk about Blue Apron. If you haven't tried out Blue Apron by now, what the heck are you even doing? Blue Apron is the number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service in the country. They deliver fresh meals straight to your door. All the food is fresh, it's sourced from local farms, and there's no wasted ingredients. I've been a Blue Apron subscriber for a long time now, and they have still, to this day, never let me down. There's tons of variety, 
Some featured upcoming meals include summer vegetable and egg paninis, soy glazed pork and rice cakes, skillet vegetable chili with cheddar drop biscuits, holy crap, and garlic butter shrimp and corn with green bean salad. So take it from me. Try out Blue Apron now. Go to blueapron.com slash mad. That's blueapron.com slash mad. Get three meals on us for free. Nothing goes better with a movie than dinner. So check out Blue Apron. Blueapron.com slash mad. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. So let's move on, Richard. Let's hit recommends. Sure. I think we have a surprise guest for these recommends. We do. Weekly recommends. Okay. Brian is back with us for recommends. Hello, Brian. Yeah, good. Thanks for having me back, guys. I appreciate it. How did the review go without me? We both hated it. Oh, good. And then uh, Kent started crying. (laughs) And uh, Paul Giamatti guested for a little while and gave us his thoughts. (laughs) So it was pretty, other than that, uneventful. Could you smell him through the the computer screen? I feel (laughs) like he's on the Vince Vaughn list. (laughs) People who look like they smell bad. He probably is. <laughs> I'm going to recommend, I do it every year around this time. I'm going to recommend Hard Knocks. It's back oh, on yeah. HBO. It's a great uh, documentary series that they go through NFL training camps. Uh, the years past, it's been the Bengals and the Falcons, which I recommended. This year, it's the Houston Texans. And it just started on HBO. There's only been one episode. Is so it on HBO Go? It is, it is, yeah. Okay, because the sometimes first, they yeah, delay those. Yeah, the first year... Uh, I think two years ago in 2013, the NFL wouldn't allow it to be on HBO Go until like the whole series was over or something yeah. like that. I think the rule is now it has to be at least 24 hours after it airs. So okay, uh, so it is on there and I, you can watch it. So uh, Hard Knocks, really good documentary series, very real. They don't edit out cussing or anything like that. Yeah, very real look at the behind the scenes world of the NFL. NFL. We're hoping camp. the Cowboys get on it again for the first time since 07, so that Kent can play. A pretty <laughs> prominent part. I you know think. what? You know, I work with people that were there when it was here, and they were just like, it was just the worst. Because really? everything that you do is on there, whether you want it to be on there or not. And, like, the co- like they put cameras in all the coaching offices, and the coaches can't talk like they actually want to talk because of the cameras, you know? Yeah. And it just really puts a damper on the entire thing. I'd be surprised yeah. the Cowboys ever do it again, at least while, while Garrett's yeah. here. But, um, yeah, I've just – I've heard – bad things about the I'm excited for the JJ Watt that's all I care about yeah well, the only watch, thing I'd be more excited about would be Hard Knocks Richie Incognito but I'll settle <laughs> for JJ Watt watch uh, the first episode it's about 40 minutes of JJ Watt so. well that's all they've got yeah that's yeah. like all the only Future thing that American Treasure by the way that guy is <laughs> awesome and yeah. uh, so so I will recommend that even though I hate Houston pretty much <laughs> and mostly everything about it I will recommend the Houston Texans <laughs> version of hard knocks so uh check that out that's my recommend brian yeah mine's a book that i read this week uh actually listened to it on the in the audio format (laughs) you shut your mouth um i i recommended uh ready player one Uh, a little bit ago we talked about it and uh, the follow-up to that book is ernest klein is the author the book is called armada it's not as good as ready player one uh by any means but again i think ready player one is is one of the best 
uh, fiction works of fiction of the last decade or so. And so this is a, a little bit of a downgrade, but it's still really interesting and, uh, and very nerdy. It's very into the nerd culture, uh, of, of the day. You can tell that this guy is very genuine in his nerdiness. And I think that that comes through in everything that he writes. So, uh, I really enjoyed it a lot. Uh, it and just I came think, out, right? Like, yeah, it's, it's like two yeah. weeks ago. So, uh, but yeah, it's, it's fun, man. And it's, it's, I'm not going to, the one downside to it is it it has some similarities to Pixels in the the plotting, and so that I think if Pixels hadn't ever graced us, um, then it would have been a higher grade just because there's nothing to uh, compare it to. But but uh, because of Pixels, like there's a little bit of similarity there, and that just kind of left a bad taste in my mouth because of that. So yeah. for, I hate you, Adam Sandler, uh, once again. But uh, book wise, it, it was pretty enjoyable. So check out Armada by Ernest Klein. I heard he got a big payday for yeah seven figs seven figs for his next yeah. book, so he's not yeah. doing too bad. Yeah. When Steven Spielberg picks up your book to wants to make it a movie, yeah. I think you're doing pretty good for yourself. Yeah, uh, yeah. Richard, recommend. Yeah, uh, I'm going to recommend the uh, the Dr. Dre album Compton, kind of that goes along with the film this uh, that we reviewed this week. First Dr. Dre album in uh, since I've been post puberty. Um, which is how I think everyone ranks them. No. Um, but yeah, first Dr. Dre album in a while. And uh, it's uh, it's a pretty fun little listen, especially beat wise. He always has kind of interesting, funky things going on and uh, some good guest appearances and stuff. And it'll go along well after you see this movie. And uh, like Kent and I were talking offline earlier about like the number one thing white people like. What what was it, Kent? <laughs> Downloading NWA after seeing Straight Outta Compton. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> So instead of which being I did, that, by the way, my Spotify yeah. has a lot of NWA on it now. <laughs> I just bought the vinyl, so I okay. did that too. But and the Chronic, <laughs> yeah, I got to buy the Chronic. That's awesome. I have the Chronic on vinyl, actually. Awesome. Um, but uh, yeah, so just a uh, little accompaniment for you while you uh, while you watch this. Nice. Something we didn't talk about, Richard and Brian is totally welcome to join in on this. I want to just talk about like the marketing behind the movie straight out of Compton and just Dr. Dre's marketing because what he has made beats by Dre become is seriously unbelievable. Um, yeah. the fact that they sell basically $10 headphones for $250 <laughs> because they know how to market them to the correct, uh, audience and to the correct market is, is pretty impressive. And, and of course they were acquired by Apple for a couple billion um, making Dr. Dre instantly the most rich rapper of all time and basically made LeBron James the one of the richest athletes ever because of, he owned like 40% or something in stock of Beats by Dre. Uh, just how he's been able to stay relevant and has transformed himself from rapper to business mogul is just, it's truly something that's incredible. And, and you know, Apple purchased Beats not for their freaking headphones. It's because of the audience that Dre and that those headphones Jimmy reach. Jimmy yeah. yeah. You know? And Jimmy Iovine. And yeah. uh, by the way, cool little scene with Jimmy Iovine and, uh, mm-hmm. and, uh, in there and uh, straight out of Compton. But, man, what a, what a freaking impressive guy. And Howie Mandel was great as Jimmy Iovine. <laughs> he was. God. The performance of a lifetime. <laughs> But uh, man, what a what an incredible story just overall, and uh, what it's become has been very impressive. They get it, man. He gets it, and uh, 
It's always had that cool factor. You know, the hold on to that cool factor for 30 years is incredible. Very, very. He needs to just buy the freaking Raiders and move them to L.A. Why don't That's what he should do with this move. I've always wanted Apple to buy a sports team. Yeah. And let Dr. Dre just run it in a freaking Raiders cap and you move them back to L.A. Who would not? Who is who? Everyone that would be everyone's second favorite team. Dr. Dre is literally on the Apple board of directors now. Like if they go, it's like Tim Cook, Eddie Q, it's uh, it's Johnny Ive and Dre. Like that's the actual like yeah. Apple board. Dr. And Ashton Dre. Kutcher is just like an honorary. Member. Ashton Kutcher is like beating them on the door. Let me in there. I uh, know, uh, but wow. Incredible got Wil- story. Wilmer Valderrama in tow. It's weird. <laughs> hey, guys, if it was not for Apple, we would not be here doing this show right now. <laughs> That's true. Because they invented podcasting, literally. So thank you to them. Thank you to the listener for, for listening this week and for all the support. Uh, this has been a great summer for our show. The biggest biggest summer in the history of the podcast, biggest numbers-wise that we've ever had was these past few months. Thank you for the people that have listened all the way and gone back and listened to old episodes. We get a lot of emails of people that said, man, I listened to one and then I went back and tried to listen to all of them. And it's just been really, really awesome to hear and see. And, and thank you for that. And for the people who are just now joining us, we hope that you'll stay with us. And, uh, we have some exciting stuff coming up the rest of the year. Uh, some people have been donating lately and have hopped on, decided to hop on some upcoming episodes. If you donate over a hundred dollars to our show, you can join us on an episode and review a film, which some people have done. So we have the Revenant and the Martian and star Wars have been booked so far for the rest of the year. And some, uh, Batman V Superman and some others for next year have already been booked. So if you're planning on doing that, now is probably the time to circle the movie of your choice and to send in your money and, and book yourself for the show. And remember, uh, if you have kind of an idea on buzz of movies, oftentimes the best movies make for our most boring episodes. So if you want to get <laughs> in true. on a good that time, is very, very yeah. true. Everyone's claiming like stuff that looks great. And I get that line of thinking, but let me give you a little inside tip as a podcaster. If you're looking for content, you know, lock up a bad movie. That's the way to do it. Fantastic four was the most fun episode we've done in a while. <laughs> honestly, it was so, fun. It was very, I fun. can't wait for Tammy too. Cannot. For a lot of reasons. It's really it's actually <laughs> happening. It's not a joke. Oh no, really? Now you see me too is less than a year away, guys. Uh, we should park. We should yeah. party. Should be a holiday. Uh, and on that note, Brian, where can I find you online? You can find me on the Twitter at BGill12. You can find my writing occasionally at Mad About Movies Podcast. Mad about movies podcast.com. Richard, can, where can we find you? You can find me on the Twitter at Richard Barden. And you can also find me at richardbard.com. Kent, where can I find you? Find me on Twitter at Kent Garrison. Find our show on Twitter at MAM underscore podcast. You can also like our show on Facebook. Just search for Mad About Movies Podcast. And you can find all of our episodes on our website at madaboutmoviespodcast.com. Only the most recent 50 or so episodes, I believe, show up on iTunes. We have a lot more than that. So if you want anything older, go to our website. Scroll all the way back on the episodes or use the search function if you're looking for a specific movie or just use the old Google. That uh, seems to work a lot of the times as well. And on that note, until next week, fellas, we'll see you at the cinema. Adios, muchachos. Goodbye. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling. Tossed salads and scrambled eggs. And maybe I seem a bit confused. Yeah, maybe, but I got you pegged. But I don't know what to do with those tossed salads and scrambled eggs. They're calling again. 
scrambled eggs all over my face. They're making me ya ya, to sell it in scrambled eggs. They're calling again. 